how are we doing this morning, church? Great. I can tell you right now, it's been a blessing to be here. Uh, over the last three weeks, uh, I've noticed something. I've noticed that during these songs, uh, you guys are singing out. Uh, God is moving. There, you can just hear it, and it is something. It just brings a smile to my face to hear the congregation, to hear God's people singing up praise to Him. So, um, awesome. Uh, it's awesome to be here. Okay, so... When we did the recognition, I talked about how it's important that we continue to pray for these seniors, and um, that's the truth of it, that each one of these seniors that are in this room, I wish they all sat together so I could point at all of them, but they're everywhere, so I'm, I'm going to scan the room pointing at you. Uh, but it's important that we go and we find these seniors and that we, we do exactly what we did, that we continue to pray for them. Um, they shouldn't have to go out into the world alone, but they need an army of prayer warriors praying for them as they face a very chaotic culture that they're fixing to go out into. And so I encourage you, don't stop praying today, but continue to pray over the, the months and years to come for these young adults now. Uh, anyways, um, so every year um, going into graduation, uh, the Senior Recognition Sunday, I, it's, it's a hard time for me because I'm waiting on these parents to send me emails of pictures and I start getting these baby pictures and I get to see the, uh, the senior pictures and next thing you know, I find myself listening to Arms of an Angel in my office crying as I'm putting together the slideshow with these, <laughs> these seniors because, man, it's not that we're losing them, but it's so hard. Stop it, Lizzie. Um, it's so hard to just have them leave the group. I know they're still here, they're, they're not gone, that I'll still see them, I'll still have relationships with them, but it's been such an honor to see them come in unsure in their faith uh, and to get to see them grow and to be able to work through those tough conversations and those, those thoughts, those um, doubts that they had and to be able to see them grow up and mature in their faith, to see them come from here to here, to see them go from the, the, the young students in the youth ministry to being the leaders to the young students in the, in the youth ministry. Uh, this is a terrific group of seniors. I say it every year, but this is a terrific group of seniors. And parents, I cannot give you enough praise for what you're doing with your seniors. For these guys graduating, you have done a tremendous job with raising very great, respectful, firm in their faith, young men and women. And so I can commend you for that. Uh, a lot of times in the youth ministry, the students come upstairs and they start to talk about their problems. And as I hear their problems, I'm just dumbfounded at what these students are facing. And I say, oh my goodness, really, that's what you're facing in high school or that's what you're facing in your homes or, or that's the things that you're battling. And it, I, the saying, I wish I could go do high school all over again, I don't, people are crazy if they say that. I don't ever want to go back to high school with what they're facing. It's insane. And so it's very different. I can remember when I graduated. And so here's just a few things as these seniors move on to the next chapter in their life. It's exciting, yet scary. And for me, it was the same way. I was super excited to be on my own, but I was scared to death of what came next. But here's a few things that happened to me right out of high school. Um, I bought my first house the first year of being out of high school. Um, I paid $45,000 for my first house. And it wasn't, it wasn't like the memes that you see on Facebook where it's the little, little tykes house and it says the window unit says $240,000. It wasn't anything like that. It was an actual house and it was in really good shape. And I paid $457 a month on my mortgage. That's now the down payment of a house and that's the property taxes per month on a house. So it's changed a little bit. 
My first car was $1,000 and it was like new. I mean, it wasn't like the prettiest car in the world, but it looked great under 100,000 miles and ran strong. $1,000 is like an oil change anymore. <laughs> the cost of gas was 97 cents. And I don't know if you've paid attention. The other day I was pumping gas and I was filling up and I looked up and I go, oh my goodness, gas is 4.33 a gallon again. Um, so 97 cents a gallon, it's changed from the time I graduated to what they're graduating now. And so they're going out into a world where there's a few more challenges and obstacles that I didn't face. And I don't know if it's because I've been so far removed from high school that I don't remember what it was like to face these things or have these problems. But I definitely know that the, the culture around us, there's more chaos than there's ever been. When I graduated high school, there was a boys and a girls restroom and there was no confusion. They didn't have to guess which one do I go to? Which one do I feel like today? There was none of that. There wasn't the legalization of marijuana. I didn't have to battle that battle because it was an illegal drug. There was a lot of chaos. And like I said, I don't know if I just don't remember it or what, but I know that it's chaos for these seniors as they're going. And so as they enter the world, they're going to be full of opinions. They're going to be told that church leaders are wrong. They're going to be told that church leaders hate the culture and that they're hypocritical to what they stand for. They're going to be told to listen to the culture and follow it and not only listen and follow it, but guys, you're going to be, you're going to be uh, told to be excited and proud about what's going on in the culture. And that's just crazy to me. Some of the things that are happening in our culture and they're telling us, hey, listen, this is the way, this is what's right. And not only should you do what we're telling you to do in the culture, but you should be proud of it. It's crazy. It's going to be a shock and my heart goes out to you guys. But I don't want to be all do, uh, gloom and doom. I don't want to be just a negative person today. So the sermon is titled, Stand Strong. And if I know you guys, which I do, you guys are firm in your faith. I've seen you grow up. I see what you stand for. You know what you stand for. And your faith is not something that's of your parents. Your faith is not something where you're going to set up and say, I believe this because my parents told me so. That's not your faith. Your faith is not a faith of something where you say, hey, listen, I believe this because Michael told me this. Your faith is your own. And you guys graduating, I know that without a doubt. And so the, what you're fixing to face, I want you to know a couple things real quick before I get into this. You're not alone. I said Wednesday night that don't ever think because you've graduated that any of me or any of the student leaders or this church has forgotten about you. We're praying for you. We're your home and we're here for you. And at any point that you need us, we are literally a phone call away. So know that you're facing an uphill battle, but I believe in you guys. You guys are going to be okay. So we're going to be looking at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego this morning. Uh, it's in Daniel chapter 3 that we're going to be. But before we get there, let me give you a little backstory. So in Daniel chapter 1, uh, the Babylonians had come in and they just laid ruin to Jerusalem. And in the process, they took some of the Israelite people and um, brought them in to begin to teach them their culture. Well, in chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he's looking for someone to interpret, interpret the dream. And Daniel can do just that. And so Daniel begins to say, hey, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the king of kings and all this stuff. And King Nebuchadnezzar stops listening there. He doesn't hear to the backside of that, wherever they say, hey, your kingdom is going to fall and God's going to establish a kingdom that will last forever. But instead, he just hears what he wants to hear because he was uh, a little uh, arrogant. And so he begins in chapter 3 to build a statue six stories tall. And he decides, hey, everybody here 
is going to bow down to it. When you hear the music, you bow down. And so he made this decree of bowing down to this statue. And we're going to pick up in the story in verse 8 of chapter 3. And so if you'll stand with me as we read. It says, Therefore at this time certain Catalans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. They're buttering him up right there. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, dragon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There, were certain, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I give you thanks so much for who you are. And Lord, I pray this morning as we... We dive into this story, Lord. I pray that we just take the things that we learn from it and that we apply it to our lives. Or that they're not just words that fall in deaf ears, but there's something that we can take and evaluate our lives and figure out how we can do this better. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And so we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. And so the first thing that I see in the story with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they took a stand. Um, so when the music began to play, they were the ones that did not fall down and kneel. But instead, as you look across all these people, there's these three guys standing, and they stood out. They decided to take a stand, and it was noticeable. So seniors, you may find yourselves in situations where you're comfortable. You're around the same group of friends in youth group every Wednesday night. You go to the high school. You're around those same people. You're in your homeschool groups, or you're in your home, wherever you're at in life. You've become comfortable where you're at. And the same goes for us. We may go through life every single day and we're just comfortable with where we're at. But I can tell you this, seniors, the world is not going to let you sit by and be comfortable. If we've learned anything from our culture, as you move on to the next chapter of your life and you get a new job, you go to college, you go to a trade school, you move, wherever you go in life, the culture wants to know where you stand. And they don't let you sit by and just be passive anymore. They want to know. When issues come up, they demand that you take a stand. And so you're going to have to make a stand at some point in your life, and it's a matter of what kind of stand are you going to take. Um, my wife just started going back to school. Hi, honey. I'm up here. I get to say stories about you. Um, she probably doesn't like it. But pastor, pastor privilege, right? We get to do that? All right. Um, so Cami has started back to school um, this past August. And uh, she's calling and telling me about it every day. She was nervous because from the time we got married up until August, she was at home. I mean, she worked here and there, but she was mostly home with the kids at church um, with her regular friends and all that stuff. And she just wasn't around all of the craziness of the world. And she comes home one day and she says, hey, Michael, people are crazy. And I said, oh, what do you mean? And she goes, no, these people at school, they're literally crazy. She goes, I thought I had graduated from all the he said, he said, she said, and the, the bickering and arguing. And she goes, I guess I didn't. And so she was telling me a story about how she was in class, and, and these, this group of girls was talking about another girl and guy in the class. And in the process, she was like getting uncomfortable going, why are they doing this? Why are they talking this way about these people? And she's, she's uncomfortable, and so she decides to change the subject. But in the process of changing the subject, someone else in the class heard her, and thought that she was talking about that girl and guy. And so she is now in the situation where they're like, what are you saying about me? And she's like, oh, wait a minute. She says, this is not what I'm doing at all. I am so sorry. And so she had a moment right there where she had to take a stand. And she decided, I don't want to be like this. 
And so she apologized and said, hey, I am so sorry if you thought that I was saying that. And she made it right there. And then she went back to her friends and said, hey, I don't want to be a part of this. This is not who I am or what I want to be. And so she had an opportunity to take a stand right there and say, listen, this is not what I am. If this is what you're about, then I don't want to be a part of it. And so for her in that moment, she took a stand and they noticed. And so now she has an opportunity in that class to where she has an opportunity to witness to the people that she's around because they know who Cammy is and they know that she's different. And so I want to notice something else about this, though. I want to notice how they stand. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand here, but before, earlier in chapter 1, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are kind of in a, a different, they're in a position. And so when they're brought into this Babylonian culture, they're told they're going to eat this meat of the king and they're going to drink this wine. Well, they're like, no, this will defile us and we're not going to eat of this and we can't. So Daniel goes to the chief of the eunuchs and says, hey, listen, can we eat vegetables and water? Can we just have water to drink and eat vegetables? Because we don't want to eat this stuff or drink that drink. And so the eunuch thought about it for a minute and he said, well... You probably won't be able to keep up with them. you got no protein. How, how is this going to work? And Daniel said, hey, just, just give us 10 days. Let's try it. If it doesn't work, fine. So 10 days later, they come back, and guess what? They're better off than the rest of them. So let that be something to know, that in your moments of trials and tribulations, God still got you. Even in the midst of slavery, God was providing for these men. And here, they took a stand, but they didn't take a stand in a hateful way. They didn't take a stand in a way where they brought down people around them or they were disrespectful. They were respectful and loving in the process. And so you guys realize this, seniors, you're going to have to make a stand. And when you make a stand, going on Facebook and tearing someone down and belittling someone or screaming at the top of your lungs in the middle of a cafeteria is not the way to do it. And the story behind the screaming in the cafeteria, we were at a student conference once. We all went to lunch at Ridgemar Mall, and there's a guy on the table screaming, hey, listen, accept Jesus or you're going to hell. And the way he's doing it is not a very good way for anybody that's not a Christian because they're looking at it going, look at that crazy man on the table. What's he? They don't even hear the words. They see the actions. And so here's the thing, guys. You don't have to stand and act that way. There is a way to take a stand and be respectful and loving. In 1 Peter 3.15 it says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for your hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. We think that taking a stand involves us screaming louder than the other person. And condemning and screaming at everyone that disagrees with us. And that's just wrong. We are called to be different. So when you're ready to take a stand, it shouldn't have to be in that way. I think of the woman that um, we went to a student conference at the beginning of this year back in February, and it was chaos versus clarity. And they talked about all these really heavy topics in our culture. And one of the topics they talked about was abortion. And the woman that taught on abortion said, the problem with the way we address abortion is the way we, we talk to people about it, the way we address people about it. She said, when we stand there and we call them murderers and we hold up signs that say murderer with it looks like blood running down on the sign and we're out there protesting in hateful ways, we have lost the opportunity to witness those people. The walls went up. And as she continued to talk about abortion, I have never heard anyone in my life with that kind of skill set to use those words 
and to make a stand and be able to connect with people dealing with issues like that. And so the way we take a stand matters. There's a way to love people and hate the sin. There's a way to connect before you correct. And see, here's the thing Jesus shows us in Scripture a couple times come to mind. It's the woman that was caught in adultery and the woman at the well. In those moments, Jesus did not condemn those women. He did not scream at them and tell them how they were wrong. He connected with them. He went at their hearts. He loved them. And he knew that change would follow. And so the way we take a stand in our culture today is completely wrong. We need to go back to connecting with the people. It doesn't mean that we have to accept what they're doing. But we should love them. Connect with them and the correction will follow. Be ready to take a stand with love, compassion, gentleness, and respect because we should look different in the way we take a stand. The next part of this is the reaction of the king. So when they, when they take a stand here, they decide that they're not bowing down. Nebuchadnezzar decides that he's going to be a little angry. He gets super angry, and then he says, hey, let's turn up the furnace seven times hotter than what it should be. Oh, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. Hold on, let's, let's backpedal. Act like I didn't say any of those words. All right, so here we go. Um, let's look at the next part of this. It's in uh, verse 14. It says, Nebuchadnezzar answered to them, is it true? And so when he finds out they're not standing, he hears this. They bring them before, and he says, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and worship the golden image that I've set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the, I'm just going to say music, that's a lot of instruments, and every other kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I've made. Well and good. Uh, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? So in seventh grade, I found myself in a class. And all of the people in the class, there was a substitute that day. And so I'm just sitting in there minding my own business, being the good kid. And all of the other classmates have decided it's a substitute. Let's mess with her. And so they decide, hey, what we're going to do is we're just going to sit in different seats. So when we sit down, she's just confused the whole class. She'll have no idea. We can all do whatever at this point. And so then one of the students, not just any of the students, but the girl I had a crush on at that time, comes up to me and she says, hey, Michael, this is what's going to happen. And she begins to tell me, which I already knew, and she tells me what's going to happen. And I was like, oh, okay. I sit there. And then all of a sudden she turns around. She says, okay, so that's the way it's going to be. You're not moving? And I was like, uh, and just kept going on with what I was doing. And then I can hear them in the class starting, oh, goody two-shoes over there or whatever. They say things like that. And so when I hear Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, which we're going to see here in a minute, not bend and not compromise on who they are, I think to myself with this story, I can do that. If I was faced with the decision life or death and someone said, bow down or you're going to die, I'd be able to stand. You know why? Because I stood up in seventh grade. I didn't change seats. And so I thought to myself, this is it, I can do this. But now that I think about this story, and I'm older and I have a family, I think about the fact, would I bow down? Would I be able to stand? Because this is different odds. This is not just get made fun of. This is either bow down or you'll die. Bow down or your family will die. And so I just assumed when I became a Christian that when I became a Christian, all of a sudden, this faith, this great faith that they had, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that this great faith was just bestowed upon me, that I just inherited that because I decided to follow Jesus. 
What I didn't think of at that time was the other 499 acts of faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had that led them to a place in their, in their life where they were able to stand. See, faith is not something that's just bestowed upon you or given to you. Just like everything else in life, you have to work for it. And your faith is something that you have to work for and grow. Seniors, you're going to have moments where there are things asked of you and you're going to have to be faithful in the small things so you can be faithful in the large things. It's not something that will be just given to you. So in, their, in this moment here, they had an opportunity to do one of two things. They could follow the culture and compromise their faith, or they could follow God. When these moments come up in our life, I think critical thinking is what kicks in, right? We have this, this process that we're taught that if we go do this, this happens, or if we go here, this will happen. But in this moment, that wasn't the case for them. See, there's a problem with critical thinking in moments like this. You can't judge obedience by the outcome or the perceived outcome when God's involved. And that's what happened here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked at the situation and said, I know the God I follow. I know the God I stand for. I know the God I believe in, and I'm not budging. I will not kneel. And so the next choice they had was to follow the culture. Oh, so they had the opportunity to either follow the culture or to follow God. And so if they follow the culture, seniors, you're about to step into a point in your life where there's going to be a ton of opinions. People are going to bombard you with what they think, how they feel, the way they think it should be. And it's no different to the way the Babylonians were. With these men, they were taken in, and they were forced to, to begin to learn a different culture. See, their names were not even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but the Babylonians changed it. So their names were changed. They were told what they could eat, what they could drink. They were told what to believe. They were, they were being brainwashed by that culture. And our culture is no different. The culture is going to come at you every which way with all of their opinions, and you guys have to make a decision if you want to follow the culture or follow God. Do you want to compromise or not compromise? I'm reminded of an episode of Friends where you have Ross and Phoebe. All right, so if you know Friends, Ross and Phoebe. Ross is firm in his beliefs, and he is, he is firm in this belief, and Phoebe disagrees with him. And so throughout the episode, Ross is trying to prove to Phoebe why he's right. And Phoebe keeps coming at him saying, no, this or this. And she keeps trying to disprove what Ross believes. And so it goes through the whole episode this way. And at the end of the episode, Phoebe said, are you really that arrogant and small-minded, Ross, that you don't think for one second that you could be wrong? And Ross pauses, he looks, and he said, I guess there's a tiny chance I could be wrong. To which Phoebe turns then and says, oh my goodness, you caved. And she said, you know what? At least when you were stubborn-headed and all this, I respected you. But now, how do you face yourself? How, do, how, how are you going to face your people tomorrow? How are you going to face your friends? And this is what the culture does. You have firm beliefs, and the culture continues to come at you. And the culture is waiting for you to break so that all of a sudden, your faith is compromised. It's muddied up, and we don't know what you believe anymore or what you stand for because you compromised. And so you have to be prepared. And a lot of us in this moment, we're okay with the idea of not compromising, but we want some guarantees. And in these moments, we have to have our minds made up before we get there. 
So when the culture comes at us every which way, we have to decide before we get there. Because the culture is going to come at us one day and they're going to say, hey, listen, just bow when you hear the music. It's no big deal. You're just bowing. They'll say to you, marriage is defined this way and not that way. The church is just outdated. They don't see it the way we see it. They'll say, if you're unhappy with who you are, you can identify with whoever or whatever you want to be. And then they'll say it's part of the civil rights movement. They're going to tell you to follow your heart. They're going to tell you that if you don't agree with the woke culture, you hate the woke culture. They're going to tell you that it, the Bible is outdated, and they're going to feed you every lie they can to try to get you to break. The king, if you look back at this verse, the king, I'm sorry, Wes, I did this to you in two services. Um, back one more. All right, it says, he says now in verse 15, so they've already not broke. They come before Nebuchadnezzar. He realizes this. And so he says, hey, is this true? And he says, now if you are ready, when you hear the music, you can bow and all, well and, all will be well and good. See, the culture's not going to give up pursuing you. Satan is not going to give up pursuing you. He wants you to become complacent in your faith. He wants you to settle in your faith. And in this moment, the king continued to pursue him. We have to make up our mind before we get there. You cannot go through your life thinking you'll fight those battles in those moments. I had a pastor growing up, um, Brother Jim, I don't remember what he was preaching. All I know is that something stood out to me that day when he taught. And he said the words, he said, you have to make your mind up before you get there. And that changed the way I thought of everything. See, in my life growing up, alcohol played a huge part in um, a lot of family members and people around me in my, life, in my life. And so I saw what alcohol did. I saw it destroy lives. I saw the heartache that came with it. And so at a young age, I decided I didn't want to have a part of alcohol because of what it did. And so when I was asked oh, later in my life and someone said, hey, you want a beer? It was a no-brainer. I didn't think anything of it. Actually, my response was no. Because I knew and I had my mind made up. Seniors, you have to make a decision now what you're going to stand for and whether or not you're going to compromise. Because you're going to be faced with situations. And you can't decide to remain pure in a relationship until marriage once you're in a relationship alone with that person. You can't decide that you're going to be financially smart when you've got a handful of credit cards in your hand. You can't decide that you're going to stand up in the face of adversity in that moment. You have to have your mind made up before you get there. You might be faced with a choice of taking a promotion, but you have to overlook the immorality of the boss that's promoting you. You may be faced with the choice to go to a party, a bachelorette party or a bachelor party, and you know that there's nothing good going to happen at that party. And you have to make the decision, do you want to go or do you not want to go? You're going to have the choice of participating in unwholesome talk that's going to happen every day. And you have to make the decision, are you going to be a part of that or are you not? Here's what it says in Mark 8, verse 36. It says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world if he forfeits his soul? None of us want to be in the situations where we're the uncool person, we're the party pooper, we're the one that no one wants to be around, None of us want to be there, but you've got to make a choice. The second one, which is the choice they made, was to follow Christ. 
Now, following Christ, let's look at verse 24 through 25. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar, so, all right, let me fill in the story. Sorry, super long story. Didn't get all the text up there. We'd have been here for a half hour of me reading. And so um, at this point, they decide they're not going to bow. He offers the option for them to compromise again. He says no. So at this moment, then they turn up the furnace seven times hotter. They go to throw them in the furnace. The people actually threw them in the furnace burned up. And so they're in the furnace at this point because of their decision. And then here it is. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered, he said, or, and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Following God might cost you something. Now, here's the thing with us as, as Christians. Sometimes we want guarantees. So I interviewed for a job years back. I was going along with a pest control company. And uh, we're going along, they're explaining my duties and what I'm going to do and all this stuff, all well and good. And then I was like, you know what, they haven't brought up pay yet. I wonder how this works. What do I get paid? I mean, because I'm getting a job because I want money. And so I, I go and I do this and I bring it up and he goes, I said, well, is it commission based or like, is it salary? What is it? And he goes, well, it's commission based. And I said, oh, okay. Like, well, what does that look like? He goes, oh, it depends on the job. So I'm kind of confused at this point because he's not giving me a straight answer. And I said, okay, on this job we're at right now, what kind of commission would I make? And he goes, yeah, depends. And so I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, I really need a job. And so the next morning I got up, I go back. I start asking the question again, and there's still no clarity. There's no guarantee of what I'm going to get paid. So I didn't go back a third day um, because I wanted some sort of guarantee. Well, isn't that just like us in our faith? God, I am willing to have this kind of faith, but I need you to make me some guarantees. I need you to guarantee it might not cost me something or that I won't be uncomfortable or that I won't experience pain or hurt. I need some guarantees. So these men in this moment didn't have any guarantees. They didn't know what the future held for them if they made this decision. They knew that they were going to go in the fire. And the coolest part about the whole story is in verse 18. Can you go back to that real quick for me, Wes? Because they said they're not going to compromise, but 18. They said their God can deliver them, but here's 18. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you set up. They were okay. They said, you know what? Our God can deliver us, but if not. We need some more of that but if not faith. And so I, I, I'm remi I remember a story, and I'm going to try. Let me straight face. Here we go. Um, my wife, her, her mother got sick years back. And uh, she got sick. She found out that she had cancer. And so she, as soon as she found out, um, she began to change her life. She quit drinking. Um, she went from not being present in her kids' lives to present in her kids' lives. She went from not being present in her grandkids' lives to the, to, to um, my son. That's all he remembers. He remembers her. And so she was present. She changed her life. And when she did, the scans came back one day. There's no cancer. She'd went into her mission, and man, what a blessing. And one day she went back, and the scans came back, and the cancer was back. And over the next 
period of life. And my wife had to make some very... Not a ball baby. Um, she had to make some very complicated decisions. And they got to one point where they said, hey, your mom's not going to heal. She's on a, on a breathing machine. She's not going to come back from this. So I recommend you quit feeding her so she can go in peace. <laughs> so she can go in peace. So Cammie made that decision. She spent probably the next two months watching her mom die a very painful death. <laughs> I'm sorry. And so she would come home and she'd pray. Or I'd go up there and she was praying. And she knew that her God could heal her mom. She knew without a doubt. She knew that, she could, that he could breathe life back into her. That he could do anything that he wanted to do. And with all those prayers, and she was asking for healing. She ended them with, but I trust you, Lord. And she lost her mom. In that moment, she trusted her God, even though it cost her something. And I don't know if we are willing to have that kind of faith, if it's going to cost us something. Seniors, you have to have that type of faith. Because when you follow Christ and you're taking those steps of faith, there's no guarantees. I would love to tell you that every single time this is going to happen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that God's going to be right there in the fire with you. But there's times when you're going to pray and it's going to cost you something. So what's your faith look like when the radiation doesn't work on the cancer? What's your faith look like when that relationship that you're praying for is not restored? What's your faith look like when the prodigal son doesn't come home? Having faith in Christ in those situations, having faith to stand up like them was a no-brainer. Is it a no-brainer with you? They knew the choice before them. They knew what it was going to cost, and they would rather burn alive than compromise their faith. They would rather burn alive than let their family see them compromise. Because I don't think for one minute in that situation, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't thinking about the future. They weren't thinking about their families and their kids, and they knew this moment would be talked about. And they did not want to bend a knee because then the future generations could bend a knee as well. Because they knew in that moment, if they compromised, the future generations might compromise. And I think as a culture, or as a church, we've bent our knee way too much. And it's time for us to quit compromising. They would rather burn alive than to worship any other, anything other than God. We have to be able to stand up and say, I'm not going to bow when I hear the music. We have to be able to say, I know what marriage is because the Bible is clear and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. We have to be able to say, I will not question who I am because I will praise God for who I am, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139:14. We have to be able to say, that I will not follow my heart because the heart is deceitful above all things. Jeremiah 17, 9. And we have to say, I will continue to love my fellow brothers and sisters by encouraging repentance because James 5, 8, or 19 through 20 says this, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back, uh, brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. We have to say that the Bible is not outdated 
but God's word is eternal and it stands firm in the heavens. Psalms 119. The world's watching us. They're watching to see if we compromise. So I have to ask you, what does your faith look like? What choices are you making? Are you compromising? Don't follow the culture and compromise your faith, but choose to follow God. And the last thing here at the end of the story. So they come out of the fire. And when they come out of the fire, uh, so he sees them all walking around in the fire and then the king calls them out, which the funny, funny thing to me in the story is, is he calls them out. He says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He doesn't call the fourth guy. I don't really know. Anyways, they saw four. They only called out three. thought that was kind of funny. And so he calls them out. When he calls them out, he notices a couple things. One, they're not harmed by the fire at all. But not only are they not harmed by the fire, but there's not even the smell of smoke on them. How awesome is that? And so then this is what he says. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks against uh, anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Powerful. And so what I notice about this verse here is one thing real quick is the fact that Nebuchadnezzar is kind of crazy. Um, he went from, you're going to be throwing the fiery furnace if you don't bow to me, to, hey, we're going to rip you apart limb to limb. He kind of had an issue um, going on there. But anyways, um, our faith can make some drastic changes in people's lives. When we decide to take a stand and not compromise, it speaks volume to the world and people begin to take notice. When we say, hey, I will not bend a knee, but instead I'll take the full consequences of whatever you want to throw at me, people start to ask questions. They start to say, oh, okay, hey, so you go to church? What's that like? Tell me about it. Or they may say, okay, hey, I don't understand. You're loving this person that speaks so horrible about you. Why? So the world takes notice. Seniors, when you live this bold, uncompromising faith, the world will take notice. And the coolest part, the last point that I have, is your faith will change the world around you. Just like the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Medigo changed the heart of Nebuchadnezzar, you can change the world around you. There's a lot wrong with the world. We can sit back and we can complain about it. We can throw fits about it. Or we can make a difference. We have an opportunity to stand out, not compromise, and God will change the world around us if we do that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I give you thanks so much for who you are. Lord, we're so thankful that you are the same today, tomorrow, and you will always be that way. Lord, I thank you just for the countless times that you loved us when we were so undeserving. And Lord, I pray for these seniors as they go out in the world and they're faced with the task of making a stand in this crazy culture, a culture that's going to bombard them with their beliefs. And Lord, I just pray that they don't compromise. And Lord, I pray that as a church, as men and women of God, that we were on our knees every day praying for these seniors, that we're lifting them up, 
And Lord, I am looking forward to the way you're going to change the world with this group of seniors. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much. Thank you for all the ways that you just continue to bless us. With every head bowed and eyes closed, we're going to enter a time of invitation. And so maybe this morning you say, I've compromised way too much. And I'm faced with these situations daily and I just continue to compromise. Well, you know what? I told the, the senior something Wednesday night about when you mess up, don't continue to look in the past and try to change it. And so if you've compromised, that doesn't mean that God can't use you in the future. You need to let it go and say, from this moment on, I choose not to compromise. I know who my God is. I know how he's delivered me. And I will no longer compromise or cave to this culture. I don't care what kind of lies they feed me. And so maybe that's you. Maybe this morning you need to come up and pray or maybe you need to find someone in the room and find someone and say, hey, listen, I need your help to keep me accountable because I don't want to continue to cave. I need you to help me live life with me and encourage me and build me up so that I can stand strong. Maybe some of you are sitting here thinking to yourself, okay, I don't even know what this relationship with Jesus is like. I don't know Jesus. I love what you're saying, but I don't have that relationship. Well, you know what? He's waiting with arms wide open. He cannot wait to be the Lord of your life. And so maybe you need to make that decision. Maybe this morning you want to come down and say, hey, I haven't given my life to Christ, but I want to this morning. Or maybe you're sitting there and you say, I've been to this church multiple weeks. And I want to join with this body of believers. Whatever your decision is this morning, let God move. Let's go ahead and stand.